morning, Parker Ford Church, friends and family. My name is DJ Martin, church pastor here at Parker Ford. Whether you're a member at Parker Ford or just joining us online today, we're so glad to have you with us for our Sunday morning worship service. Today we are continuing our Costly Faith series, and today's theme is Faith When It's Dark. There's lots of stories in the scripture that depict times of darkness, whether that's real physical darkness, like a story we're going to look at later today, or a time of spiritual or relational darkness. And what does it mean to have faith and be a people of faith in a time when it's really dark? It seemed like a timely and good reminder for us uh, today in this season that we are walking through. Throughout this morning's service, we want to invite you to engage the questions in Scripture through conversation and or journaling. You may be watching this with a family member or a friend, um, or perhaps you're engaging with this service just on your own. Throughout the morning, there's going to be opportunities for you to pause and reflect on discussion questions. Um, that's an opportunity for you to discuss the Scriptures or the questions with those you're with. Or if you're alone, grab a journal, a pen, pencil, and just write down some thoughts and reflections and bring uh, this before the Lord and in community, bring it before the Lord together. Your clue for when it's time to get ready to pause the video will be when you see the big leaves or branches on the slide. That means it's time to get ready to have a discussion. Last week when we began this series, we worked towards defining faith according to the scriptures. What is faith? There's a lot of popular notions in, in popular culture about what faith is. Sometimes that means like faith is laying in a hammock and having a personal devotion time. But that might be a, a small element of faith, but the scriptures have much more to say about faith. So if you didn't engage last week's teaching yet, I'd encourage you and go back and listen to that before listening to today's teaching because we worked towards arriving at a common definition of faith, a working definition of faith for this series. And that working definition that we arrived at is that faith is a trusting belief in the faithfulness of God founded upon a steadfast and loyal allegiance to the Messiah. And we're going to continue to talk about that def definition and how it shows up in the scriptures throughout this series. We're also doing a memory verse, and so today we're continuing our memory verse, which is Hebrews 11.6. This is your first opportunity to pause the video, and just as a family or on your own, practice saying this verse a couple times, and hopefully by the end of a couple weeks, we're going to have this verse memorized together. So go ahead and pause the video and read out loud Hebrews 11.6 and practice the verse, and then join us in a few minutes as we continue our service. For today's call to worship, we're going to be reading Psalm chapter 90. The story that we'll be looking at in our sermon is the Exodus story. And when there's the different plagues, and one of the plagues is the period of intense darkness, where it's completely pitch black darkness over the entire land of Egypt, except over the nation of Israel. We're going to be talking about faith in a time of darkness. So I thought it would be appropriate to start our service by reading together the prayer of Moses found in Psalm 90. So I want to invite you to stand up and would you read this out loud with me. This is Psalm chapter 90, the prayer of Moses, starting in verse 1. Lord, through all the generations, you have been our home. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from beginning to end, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. 
For you, a thousand years are as a passing day, as brief as a few night hours. You sweep people away like dreams that disappear. They are like grass that springs up in the morning. In the morning it blooms and flourishes, but by evening it is dry and withered. We wither beneath your anger. We are overwhelmed by your fury. You spread out our sins before you, our secret sins, and you see them all. We live our lives beneath your wrath, ending our years with a groan. Seventy years are given to us. Some even live to eighty. But even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear and we fly away. Who can comprehend the power of your anger? Your wrath is as awesome as the fear you deserve. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. O Lord, come back to us. How long will you delay? Take pity on your servants. Satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love so we may sing for joy to the end of our lives. Give us gladness in proportion to our former misery. Replace the evil years with good. Let us, your servants, see you work again. Let our children see your glory. And may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, make our efforts successful. You can have a seat. As we continue our service, before we get into the sermon, I want to invite you to pause the video and have a discussion around the following questions. Have you ever lived through a season of darkness when it was particularly difficult to see or experience hope? What was that like? And can you think of any stories in the Bible of God walking a person through a period of darkness? Maybe one of your favorite Bible characters, one of your favorite Bible stories has just such a period in it. So go ahead and pause the video and have a discussion around these questions and then join us for this morning's teaching. Welcome everyone, DJ Martin here, church pastor at Parker Ford. As we continue our service today on Costly Faith, our teaching portion is titled Faith When It's Dark, Part 1. And next week we're going to be looking at Part 2. This week we'll be in the Old Testament primarily. Next week we'll be moving into the New Testament in the book of Matthew. Before we get into the word, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 10 and 12 primarily for this uh, teaching this morning. Before we get into the word, would you pray with me and let's invite the Lord's Spirit to lead us, guide us, and teach us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. We continue to put our faith, our trust, our hope, our belief in him. We want to be a people who are completely um, resting and hoping all things finding peace through you, placing our trust in you. And we pray this morning as we look at this story uh, from Exodus that you would continue to shape our understanding according to your word of what it means to be a people of faith. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, if you engaged the teaching, you know that we worked towards finding a definition, a working de- definition of faith. There's a lot of misunderstanding, especially on, pop- on the popular level, a lot of misunderstanding about what it means to be a person of faith. Sometimes when you say the word faith, it's sort of the belief in something that you can't see. Or there's the famous Mark Twain, I think it was, quote, where he says, uh, 
having faith is just believing something that there's no evidence for. Um, but is that really what it means to have faith? And last week we tackled that question and I think there's a compelling argument to say no, that that's not actually what it means to be a person of faith. And so the, the English word faith is usually how the Greek word pistis is translated. And pistis is used many, many times throughout the New Testament and in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of uh, the Hebrew scriptures, it's also used many, many times. And pistis had a long history in the Greek language before any of the early Christians used it. And so what Paul was doing or what Peter was doing or what the other New Testament writers were doing when they chose to use this Greek word pistis is they were taking a word that already had a long history of meaning in the Greek language and then applying it to this new way of following Jesus. So sometimes the best definition or the best translation of the word pistis is the English word faith, but not always. And our English translations have really struggled with how to define or how to translate this word. And so what we did last week is we talked about the different, the, the well-rounded meanings of the, of the word pistis and some of the English words that we can use to get behind the meaning of what it means to be a person of faith, a person of pistis. So faith means trust. It means um, a trusting belief in the Lord. It also means faithfulness. So not just faith, but full of faith, meaning that the faith is carried out in a practical, meaningful way. And that's faithfulness to God, just as God is faithful towards us. Pistis can also mean reliability, um, which is comparable to a faithfulness, similar to faithfulness or trustworthiness. It means loyalty. This is where it gets really interesting for me. That pistis means uh, loyalty. It means fidelity to Jesus Christ um, as both our Messiah, our Christ, the anointed one, but also as the Lord, as the true king or ruler. Now, when Mark, the gospel writer, or Paul, um, writing in the first century, when he's saying, have faith in the Lord, there's, um, there's an inherently political statement in that because uh, Caesar demanded that his people have faith and he also was called Lord. So there's a very subversive, almost political message when Paul or Mark or the other gospel writers are saying, put your faith, your pistis, your loyalty, your allegiance in Jesus the Lord, the true Lord. And they're comparing Jesus to Caesar and saying he is the true object of faith, of adoration, the true king who um, deserves our allegiance. Faith also does mean belief. Pistis means belief, and this is where our more common understanding of faith um, does line up. It, it's a genuine personal commitment, including confessional and mental agreement to the teachings of Jesus. And finally, pistis is also a heartfelt trust and allegiance. That's a whole lot of meaning that can be found in one little word. And so that's why we want to really explore this word throughout this series. I brought us to a working definition of what it means to be a people of faith, a people of pistis, last week. And these are not my thoughts. These are, these are thoughts from scholars that I, I've been reading and studying myself, um, including uh, Scott McKnight and N.T. Wright, which, who I quoted uh, last week, Gupta. I'm reading a book by N.J. Gupta called Paul in the Language of Faith right now. And it's really helping me uh, re-understand and redefine this word. And so what pistis means, and this is our working definition, is it's a trusting belief in the faithfulness of God founded upon a steadfast and loyal allegiance to the Messiah. 
That's what it means to be a person of faith. Not just sit down in the morning and have devotions, although that's great. It doesn't just mean that we individually are having a quiet time, and so I'm a person of faith. No, faith means that uh, there's a cost to it, there's an action to it. It's not just passive, although there is the receiving end of faith. It's also active, meaning that we are continually putting our trust, our loyalty, and our allegiance in Jesus. There's so many things in this world that are crying out for our allegiance, whether it's a political party, whether it's a sports team, whether it's a consumeristic way of life. There are so many things that are calling for our attention, the allegiance of our heart. But to be a person of faith in Jesus Christ means that we are putting our allegiance in him above all things. Now there's a cost to faith because it's not just about believing the right things, it's about being a person of allegiance. That means there's a cost to it because there's times where there's persecution if you put your allegiance in Jesus. And Christians throughout church history have faced that sort of persecution where they have said, no, I'm going to continue to put my actual trust, my actual allegiance, my actual hope in Jesus rather than this other thing that you are demanded. There was, uh, there was a great price that many early Christians paid for having that sort of faith. We today are continued by God, are continuing to be called to be a people of faith. And that's why I want to talk about faith when it's dark. Because it's one thing to have faith when everything is going well in life. It's another thing to be a person of faith, a person who continues to put their allegiance, loyalty, trust in God when nothing's going right or when things are really dark. And that's what we're talking about today, faith when it's dark. Now, two of Israel's most defining moments, and if you, if you read Hebrew scholars and you, you study the Old Testament, you'll know this, that two of Israel's most defining moments were when uh, they were enslaved and then the subsequent 400 years of slavery followed by the exodus uh, from Egypt and then entry into Canaan that defined and shaped Israel for hundreds of years. This experience of being in Egypt and then leaving Egypt for a promised land that, that gave shape to early uh, Judaism and the law and how they interpreted the law up through the time of the kings and up until the time of the exile, which is the second uh, really defining moment in Israel's history in the Hebrew scriptures was the destruction of Solomon's temple followed by the exile in Babylon and the destruction of the nation of Israel by the nation of Assyria. These two things defined Israel as much as any other events in its history. The, the slavery in Egypt followed by the exodus and entry into the promised land and then the destruction of Solomon's temple followed by the exile and all uh, so much of Israel's culture, so much of its understanding of how to read the scriptures, so much of its prophetic voice emerged from these two events. Now, this, um, this period when Israel was enslaved in Egypt, this is going to become a picture that's carried out and, and interpreted as a metaphor by the various uh, scripture writers that followed, including the rest of the Old Testament and the New Testament writers. So Egypt came to represent oppression and evil. 
Later, this shifted to Assyria or Babylon or Persia or Rome. Um, But throughout the early course of Israel's history, Egypt is the representation of what it means uh, to be dominated by an evil presence. Slavery became a metaphor for sin, a metaphor that the New Testament writers continued and utilized in their own writings. This is something that Paul does, where he takes this picture of slavery in Egypt and he takes the picture of sin and he compares the two and and being a, a person who's captive to their sin is the same in, in many ways as being enslaved uh, physically. And so it's, it becomes a metaphor. The plagues, one of which we're going to look at for a few minutes here, the plagues are a metaphor of God's judgment and superiority to the pagan gods. And the darkness of Israel's slavery is turned on its head in the ninth plague when Egypt experiences literal darkness while Israel is, be, uh, is experiencing the salvation and the rescue of God. So this, is, this story is in Exodus chapter 10. It says in verse 21, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness to be felt. Listen to that phrase. It's a darkness that's so dark it's felt. Have you ever been in a cave before and turned off your flashlight? That's that's that type of darkness that's so dark that you can feel it. Apparently, this darkness even blotted out the moon and the stars. It was so dark, you could feel it in your bones. Verse 22, so Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the people of Israel had light where they lived. Then Pharaoh called Moses and said, Go, serve the Lord. Your little ones also may go with you. Only let your flocks and your herds remain behind. But Moses said, You must also let us have sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock must also go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind, for we must take of them to serve the Lord our God. And we do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them go. Then Pharaoh said to him, Get away from me. Take care never to see my face again. For on the day you see my face, you shall die. Moses said, As you say, I will not see your face Again, if you know the story, this is a pattern that keeps happening throughout each of the plagues. There's a plague and Pharaoh says, okay, go worship God. And Moses says, well, it needs to be according to his rules. And Pharaoh says, then you can't go. You have to stay. And it happens over and over again until the final plague when God struck down the firstborn of of Egypt, the firstborn sons, and finally Pharaoh lets the people go. Now, there's so much that we can look at in this story. But one thing I want to do as, as we wrap up the teaching portion is I want to think about what it was like to be the people of Israel and have faith. Now, they're very much learning what it means to have faith. They, they know very, very little about God. Um, they know his name. They know that he's the God of Abraham, 
of, of Isaac and Jacob, of Joseph. They know their history. They know the story of, of God calling Abraham. They, they know the story of the patriarchs, but they have yet to receive the law. They haven't entered the promised land. There hasn't been any of the prophets yet. Mo, uh, Moses is just beginning his ministry and they don't really know who he is yet. They haven't fully trusted his voice. There's no high priesthood. There's no tabernacle. There's no temple. So, so Israel just is just a baby. It's just fledgling. It's just brand new. And all of these things are happening. And there's this cosmic battle taking place between God and the demonic forces in Egypt. And what God is teaching them is he is the sovereign Lord. All authoritative, all power, all authority belongs to him. And what he's inviting Egypt, or inviting Israel, excuse me, into is a relationship with him where they put not only their belief, certainly their belief in him, but they learn to put their allegiance and trust in him. If you know the story, you know when they enter the promised land that the people lose faith. They lose their allegiance, their trust in God. And so for 40 years, they wander in the wilderness until that generation passes away so the next generation can inherit the land. What God is doing in each of these stories, what God is doing in each of these generations is he's teaching his people to be a people of loyalty, of faith, and allegiance in the one true king God. And he continues to do that today with us, inviting us to be a people of faith who put our trust, our loyalty, our allegiance, our hope in the one true God. So maybe you're in a season of darkness right now. I know um, this past year has been absolute insanity. Um, And there's been so many things to discourage and trip people up. Uh, from illness to economic to political uh, to relational struggles. And yet God continues to invite you and I to be a people who have our full loyalty and allegiance and hope in God. So that's what I want to call us back to again today. So as we wrap up today's teaching, I want to invite you to reflect on the following questions. What does it look like to have a robust, well-rounded faith in God when we are in a time of struggle? And what are some other examples of this kind of faith in the scriptures? Before you uh, turn to those questions and have a time of reflection and discussion, let me pray and invite the Lord to seal his word for us today. Father, we thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for the example that you've given us of what it means to be a people who have allegiance in you. And next week, we're going to be looking at the story of your son and the darkness that he experienced on the cross and what it was like for your son to have faith and trust and allegiance in you. Father, we pray that we would be a people of faith who put our full trust in you and that we would do so today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things that I really hope that we get out of this series is a realization that faith is more than just passive. There is a passive element to faith in the sense that God's grace is unmerited. He gives it to us freely. There's nothing we can do to earn his love or his forgiveness or his grace other than accepting it like a gift. On the other hand, because faith is more than just a cognitive belief, it has to do with allegiance and trust. There is an action to faith, a daily action to faith. And so perhaps you're finding yourself in a period of darkness 
right now where things, whether physically or spiritually, just feel really difficult, really heavy, um, a season of trials, the dark night of the soul, as it's been described by many people. Perhaps you're in just such a time. That's when it can be so helpful to know and remember that faith is more than just having your, your doctrinal ducks in a row up here in your mind. Faith is about holding on with allegiance, about holding on with trust and hope in God, um, even in a period of deep darkness and, and pain. And so I hope that uh, you're encouraged this week to take this definition of faith and this understanding of faith and apply it to your own life, your family, your own circumstances, and realize that you are a person of faith as you put your trust and your allegiance in the one true King, Jesus Christ. For our benediction today, I'm going to read the same passage I read last week, Hebrews chapter 12. So I invite you to open your hands to receive Uh, the word of God, and the benediction as we close our service. Hebrews chapter 12, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. I hope that you have a wonderful week. Thanks so much for joining us. Go with God. Be blessed.